Hello and welcome to Just Bleed Radio, episode 18. This is our first review show of 2024, and we'll be talking about the first UFC pay-per-view of 2024. UFC 297 that took place in Toronto, Canada, and settled the challenges for the men's middleweight belt between Sean Strickland and Driska Stuplessis, and a women's bantamweight belt between Raquel Pennington and Mayra Bueno-Silva. God, that name's hard. This is your very tired host, Danger Mouse, and I'm tired because this card didn't finish until around 6.30am here in the UK. And I'm joined by my usual co-host, Austin, and we also have a blast from the past joining us all the way from Ohio. It's none other than LazyVed. So, hello guys. How are you both doing? What's up, Mouse? Doing good. Good, yeah. good. Very good, very good, yes. <laughs> good to be back. Yeah, the prodigal savage. <laughs> Anyways, we might as well start with the main event between Sean Strickland and Drickers Duplessis. So, thoughts on the fight and who really won? And as we haven't heard from him in a while, I'll let Lazy take us away on this one. What do you have to say on the fight, Lazy? Well, there's a number of things you could say. But what I will say is, it was a good fight. It was a great fight. Uh, I expected a good fight going in, and we ended up getting a pretty, pretty solid barn burner, I'd say. Uh, some, some slower moments, but all in all, both guys were putting forth maximum effort. Um, I feel like, you know, it, going into it, I sort of anticipated Strickland putting the pace on DDP a little bit more pushing the cardio. Uh, and I don't feel like he really did that at times. So maybe he could have actually given more effort, but I think really, uh, it came down to DDP just sort of being the juggernaut that he is and whether a lot of the, the shots he was slinging were landing or not, he was just sort of stifling Sean. Uh, yeah, he certainly kept coming forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think it was, it was a pretty good fucking fight. I wasn't that disappointed. Uh, obviously, I'm not a big Sean fan, so I was happy with the outcome. Uh, even though I'm not really a DDP fan either. But, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm pretty happy for the middleweight division. I like to see the belt moving and changing hands more than I like it staying with the same champion forever. So, uh, play a little hot potato, and uh, I think the middleweight could get pretty interesting. Hmm. Yes. Quite. Let's see. I I pretty much agree with uh, it being a hot potato moment for the middleweight division, which seems fun because it also gives my boy Robert Whitaker a chance to get the belt back. Let's go, fuck yeah! But <laughs> but no, honestly, I had it two two going into the fifth, and then yeah, no. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the odd one and say I had it a draw. I had it a draw going into the fifth. Or after the fifth, because I felt like they both did just enough to be competitive in it, but not outright win the fifth round. And I don't know if that's just because I was looking at it and I didn't see a whole lot coming from, you know, no definitive winner in that round. Because I felt like it was pretty, it was as as cl- as close as the fight was. You could see Drakus trying to do other things, and then Strickland just kind of being consistent with his pressure making DDP kind of react and jump in with lunging strikes and still catching him. But he'd get clipped on the outside of some of his com- uh, his combinations. Looking at the fight now, I-, I felt like you can argue for Strickland, but I feel like 
you couldn't really be wrong in giving it to Duplessis because it was a close competitive fight and it was primarily a stand-up fight, like Lazy was saying. Yeah, sure. I I don't I don't see a problem with a rematch. I think you if it was a draw, you absolutely could have ran a rematch right back. I feel like Drakus I think feel I feel like the play is now you have Drakus as a champion. Strickland is probably gonna be a number one contender after this. I we have no idea what Izzy's doing. You have a couple of guys who are in the wings in middleweight right now and no clear number one contender. It's it's yeah. it's gonna be a fun time. I think it's gonna be a fun time in middleweight. It's funny you brought up the draw because and watching the fight when it was live, they flashed up the stats for the third round, and of the stats they flashed up, they were even on strikes. So I'd have been quite happy if they'd have scored that round as a draw, and it had gone, you know, two-two with a ten-ten or a nine-nine round in the middle, whatever. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm pretty sure I'm an outlier on that one. <laughs> no, I think it would have been perfectly fair to score it as a draw, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's too outlandish because, like you said, going into the fifth, it did seem like no matter how you scored the previous four rounds, it, it was very plausible for anyone to have it two-two going into that fifth. So that fifth yeah. was was super important and uh, not positive. But if I think if I remember the the judges' cards correctly, um, didn't they? You know, they they each scored the fifth differently or two of them scored it the same one of them scored it differently it wasn't no unanimous. i think everybody scored the uh, fifth round for sean first and fifth were scored for sean oh uh, okay everybody okay scored, if i remember rightly interesting uh, in fact but yeah I, I i think that you know i wouldn't have been shocked if it, it had gone either way or if it had ended in a draw it was it was a pretty razor close fight and i think it all kind of came down to if you're a judge and you're sitting at cage side how are you viewing the optics of the fight. How are, how are you, what's swaying you? So, yes. you know, you had Sean who he, he's throwing laser shots right down the pipe, his classic one twos, and they were connecting. I mean, you could see it all over DDP's face, but then you had DDP winging these big wild hooks. And even if they were just kind of grazing off of Sean or bouncing off of his arms, whatever it was, they looked impactful. It looked like it was shifting him. Plus he's throwing the body kicks and he's, you know, kicking to the head. So, I think it really just came down to if you're the judge, which what sways you more, you know, accuracy or thudding impact. Well, very unusually, uh, I thought uh, Sal D'Amato actually scored it right when who almost never gets a fight right because uh, he was the only guy who gave Sean the third round. That's why we had the split decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would I would say that too, yeah. But I I can't remember the last time we saw Sean. Uh, get as bloody as he did in this fight. I think that, I don't know if that's just me, but I felt like that could have added to some of it. Cause there was wonky scoring, I think throughout the night. Was it, was that yeah. not the case? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Sean was saying he got, he took a head, but that's what opened up his eye. So it wasn't even a punch. It was just right. lunging in mm-hmm. and smashing him with the head. Yep. Those. And, and he had some blood on the other side of his face, but I don't know if you remember, um, Nixick was saying they did a lot. Of, they were actually sparring in the week coming up to the up to the fight, uh, which is kind of crazy. Almost no one does that, but it's Sean Strickland, and he, he does what he wants. Uh, and I think he, when he did one of the interviews with Nina, he had a cut on his face, and I just wondered if that had opened up really quickly. Uh, that that could very well there. be the case. Yeah, and then he had blood all over his face, and 
I, I didn't hear the commentary because I was listening. I was listening to a, a fight companion rather than listening to uh, DC and uh, well, DC talking bollocks basically as usual. Um, well, I mean, Dominic tend to kind of take the conversation yeah. away from the fight sometimes. <laughs> I did hear that. I did hear that Cruz had been talking about all the blood over Sean's face and uh, saying that was costing him rounds. And I was wondering that myself watching the fight. All the judges seeing all this blood and thinking it's, you know, it's already, it was caused in second or third round, whatever it was. You know, that's when the cuts scored. That's when you scored the damage. You don't keep scoring it for the next round because he's bleeding all over his face. Once you've opened a cut, it bleeds. End of story. Um... Yeah, the optics. Op Neil, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Lazy. Nick all I, all I was going to say was, uh, you know, the, the about the Sean claiming it was, <clears throat> it was a headbutt. Typically, the the truck for UFC, their production truck, is pretty good about isolating those sort of things and showing it on the broadcast. So I think if it had been like a clash of heads, because that was a pretty pivotal, pivotal, pivotal moment in the fight. So I yeah, think you know, sure. if it had been caused by a head clash, they probably would have showed it. I'd have to go back and watch it. I didn't get around to rewatch yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Fight. Well, no, I mean, I think it, it the way we were all seeing the fight, it, it was competitive, right? That's not an argument. Oh, sure, I yeah. think the problem the problem was is the optics of the fight, which shouldn't be scored, like you said, throughout the fight. It should just be, okay, he cut him open. That's from this strike, ideally, or this combination that ended up, like, when they disengaged from the fence. Okay, you can see Strickland bleeding. Or when Strickland, you know, catches ddp walking in with a you know an over-the-top kind of offensive you know combination catches him on his left eye the eye swollen okay we saw him you know counter him on his way in that's that's obviously from him throwing that strike it it's not you continuously score it but at the same time if they're if they're leading into the into the next round and it's like okay that's fight you know they, they cleaned up the cut a little bit or they they're they're touching up the eye and then they keep going back to it that damage can get worse and it seemed to get worse for both guys as the fight went on obviously the cut for strickland came later in the fight but the the eye damage seemed to kind of get worse as the fight wore on so uh you can it, you can judge it um later but it would just depend on like if a good point would be uh irene aldana versus uh oh god i forget her name how's that uh, Hosa, yes, thank you. Where she was just consistently, Hosa was literally landing that leg damage or leg kick on and on throughout the fight, and that leg gets redder, purpler, and darker because she's just absorbing so much damage. But her yeah. face is literally wearing the rest of the damage of the fight. <laughs> I think it's almost as though, like, uh, if that targeted area continues to accrue further damage. Yeah. So if it, it, yeah, if you damaged it, like if you cut somebody, they're gonna stay cut. But if you continue to target that cut, and that cut gets worse and worse, yeah. they're accruing further damage. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But no, it was a good. It was a good. It was a good fight. Uh, you can't oh, yeah, complain yeah. with what we got. I, I think legitimately, it's do a rematch. I just don't know if you do it right away, or do you save it for like three hundred? I don't. You you don't get a fucking title rematch. After failing your first defense, yeah, you better make sure that Izzy doesn't get to fight for the title then because he lost it and he wants to come. If he's supposed to be yeah. coming back after, without doing any kind of qualifying fight, that's completely out of order. As yeah, far well, as why not have anyway. yeah, why not have them rematch at 300 then with uh, not not Drakeus and Strickland, but 
Strickland and Izzy as a number one contender fight. And then Ooh. you would have, oh, yeah. then you could, then you could have like somebody, let's say, uh, Jared Cannonier, yep. who is yep. the contender, fight Drake is plus E, which is a matchup we have not seen yet. And yeah. on top of it, Cannonier has a win over uh, uh, the his, the most re- the most recent win over Strickland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it would be it it would that's a that's a thing you can do, and it can be at three hundred. But then again. Yeah. You know, it, it's you got three months between then and now. Drake has took a decent amount of damage in this fight. I think Cannoneer is hurt, so that's it's not a possibility outright. But Strickland Cannonier, versus isn't Cannoneer scheduled to fight Delize? I know. I think that canceled. I think because I of injury. That I think, yeah, I think Jared Cannoneer got injured training for a fight because he was supposed to fight Delize. Then they asked him to go train to go fight Kamzat in Abu Dhabi, got injured, so now he's out indefinitely until he's back. So that's why he got the last minute call from uh oh, who who the hell was it um uh Kamaru Usman uh got uh-huh. that call that I think that was the thing so. <sighs> This middleweight is middleweight division is starting to get exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. I, I will say one more thing, and I was surprised that because Sean was landing those teeps early in the first round, and I think mm-hmm. he threw a couple in the second. Then he just seemed to stop throwing them, and they were obviously having an effect, uh, sapping uh, DDP's gas tank. I would imagine having his Sean's toes jammed into his uh, stomach every uh, few seconds or whatever it was. And also, <laughs> Nick, Nick Sick was talking about u- utilizing elbows when they got in close. I don't think I saw Sean throw a single one. No. Here's a question, though. Uh, so being that we've kind of established that depending on how you viewed the striking battle, it could be judged pretty evenly. Like, they were they were pretty even on the feet. So mm-hmm. do we think that the takedowns and the control time was a determining factor? Even though he didn't do much damage with the takedowns or, you know, anything with them. But he still, I think he had, what, 6 out of 11 or something like that? Something like that, yeah. I, I think the judges might have scored them. I, I don't think they were worth scoring because uh, Drick has had about two minutes of control time for the entire mm. five rounds. So that's what, 40, what is it, 40, 30, 40 seconds each round, effectively. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he, he didn't do any damage when he took Sean down. Sean was just getting straight back up, more or less. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's I think you can judge it like this. It's when there's no like Lazy was saying. It's like if they're pretty close on the feet. What is you can even give a slight edge to let's say Strickland. It's close, right? You need another determining factor to establish a winner of that mm-hmm. round. If the if the factor is grappling and the grappling isn't necessarily causing the momentum of the fight to change, if they're close on the feet that aspect has to come into play. If it's not outright definitive, you need another aspect to score on, I think. And I think with the majority... Technically speaking, it should only only play in if they're dead even on the striking. I think they were close. I think that's the thing. Because we're we're establishing that it was a close competitive fight on the feet, right? Throughout the fight. Visibly, it looked about even. Now, you got to remember, the judges don't have access to the numbers while they're judging, so they don't know the statistics. Yeah. So if it's looking to the eyes, like it's pretty much dead even on the feet, that grappling, no matter how, you know, minimally impactful, it plays, you know, some sort of a part, I I would have to imagine. Yeah. 
I guess that wouldn't be fair. Also, it, well, I don't it, it was nice to see somebody take. It was nice to see somebody take Strickland down for once. No matter, you know, <laughs> and anyway. force him to fight off of that because that's not usually the case, right? Mm-hmm. Well, well, I think I, that's also Luke, Luke, real Tom, quick. Luke Thomas did say they were, this was done under a different scoring system. I yeah, caught that. I did. I did try and what? find out which which system it was under, but I couldn't. I couldn't uh, find anything before the show. Something, oh, along God, the lines, right. something along the lines of Canada hasn't updated their MMA rules system since like 2003, yeah. which would explain that whole Nasser uh, Mozart Bloyev Arnold yep. Allen D situation. Okay, yep. yeah, that makes more sense now. I can. I completely. I was like, that technically is legal. <laughs> which, like, but, how are you using a rule set from fucking 2003, dude? Yeah, that's like archaic. Know. That's caveman shit. Because they're not they're not uh, part of the unified rules, I think, because the U.S., I think it was easier to get a majority of the states. I think a majority of the states now remember that era, that time frame when, like, there was 20 different <laughs> fucking rule yeah, sets within yeah, the states. Yeah. And now it's like I think it's generally all under one rule set now. I think as of late, I can I, I, I can be I dead wrong about that. Rule set still. I think uh, I. I'm pretty sure they were they rely on whatever the promotion tends to use. I think I think that depends. I, I I could be dead wrong about that, but that would explain the whole aspect of if Drakus is pressuring forward. That's the old style of rule set, which you would you yeah. could argue. Yeah, okay, well they favor pressure over uh, accuracy of punches. Ring generalship or whatever the yes. fuck they call. Yes, that's 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 yeah. that's the thing. Octagon the control. Old- yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now it makes more sense. Now it makes more sense. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that. Yeah. I, I guess we'll find out tomorrow on the uh, one one day a week that MK is running uh, things for uh, January. <laughs> yeah, all I gotta say is, hey, Canada, when it comes to your fucking rule set, what's that all about? <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> Uh, I do not care at all. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay, all of our Canadian... Ladies put me off. I've forgotten that. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. All of our Canadian fans are going to kill us now. I love it. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, did you catch the press conference at all after uh, after the fights? I did not, no. Um, I've seen uh, some highlights, but not the whole yeah. thing. I, I only listened to the bit with Dana uh, on it. Uh, where a journalist again tried the same gotcha type of question on Dana as they tried on Sean Strickland, uh, and Dana just put him down like a dog, you know, like shot him, like, took him out of the back and shot him like old Yella. It was like, no, I'm, I'm, oh, not gonna ta- I'm, I'm not going to tell my fighters what they can and can't say. They have free speech, you know. Dana's obviously a bit of a free speech absolutist. It was like, no, get lost, you know. I don't keep my fighters on a leash. They're allowed to say what they want. Uh, which you could see, you could I, you couldn't see the reporter obviously because he's taking shooting questions from out of the crowd, but you could almost see him curling up into a ball and going, "Oh God, I wish I'd never asked." Now, uh, so yeah, that was pretty funny. Was that AK Lee? I was going to say, as long as it wasn't AK, I'm not yeah. sure if it was. I, I couldn't tell the tell which voice it was, um, but he, he was definitely poking down that line. Yeah, uh, he did. He, Dana was defended. He was like, "You asked Sean that question." Or whoever it was, asked yeah, that question. It was, that's you, you were trying right. to get, you were trying to bait him, and you got the fucking answer that you knew you were going to get out of Sean. He's he's not a man who minces his words when he, when, you know, if you if if he doesn't like something, he's going to tell you he doesn't like it. So <laughs> don't be surprised when he talks shit to you. Um, 
Yeah, he's he's nothing if he's not predictable. You know, you know, Sean's gonna fucking <laughs> yeah. say some wild shit. Yeah, I think that was a thing too. Like, if he's if you're gonna ask him a question that you already know he's gonna say a a certain type of response to, especially being who he is. Yeah, it, you. I don't know if the question was warranted, but you know, he answered it. I thought it was pretty hilarious when he he jumped onto uh, Raquel Pennington and uh, Silver uh, on the. And asked them kind of the same question. What do you think of Sean Strickland? And uh, Silver just went, yeah, he's hilarious. I really like him. Uh, so, <laughs> so he couldn't even get his gotcha from uh, any of the lesbians that were involved in the uh, fights either. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, because... No, I'm not saying anything that isn't true there, am I? You know? No, uh, no. All, all but... credit to Silver. She's got a beautiful girlfriend. Um... <laughs> Those Brazilians, they, they both, they're both different. Yeah. yeah, they both do, I think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Brazil, Brazilians can take some shit. They can, they can take it in. They can dish it. <laughs> oh, that's a good segue to the. Uh, I was going to say that just pretty much yeah. segues into the uh, next, or well, the, the the co-main event. Raquel Pennington uh, will beat Silver. Unanimous decision. I'm just looking at the scores now: 49-46, 49-46, and 49-45. Uh, we were chatting before the show started and I said I wasn't overly uh, impressed by this fight. I think it was somewhere in the third or fourth round. I went into the, went into the kitchen to make myself a cup of coffee and some toast because it was about <laughs> 6.30 in the morning. Uh, nice bit of toast and marmalade. Very English for uh, anyone listening. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, not a uh, super exciting fight. Uh, if anyone's got anything to say on it, please, please take I'll, it away. I'll go first. Uh, so, good for Rocky. I was cheering for Rocky. I had picked Mario Buena Silva going into this, yeah, and I regretted yeah. it immediately. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, look, I, I love Rocky just because she's very consistent, but my God, she cannot actually engage in any combination or singular strike without looking for a clinch or going to the fence at any point in timing she fights like she looks for the clinch as if she can't see her opponent and it's def- it's the most frustrating thing because you see her open up with combinations and then immediately after she's done with the combination she looks to clinch against the fence or in the open like what what are you doing you you're <laughs> literally winning the exchange why are you clinching you have her against the fence you don't need to clinch this is the easiest thing you <laughs> literally are winning the fight and you choose to clinch and give her an opportunity because every time she clinched my buena silva is looking for a uh, uh, some kind of a trip or elbows and knees and yeah, it's like the back, whatever yeah yeah it's like what you're giving her an opportunity to win stop it <laughs> God, uh, but yeah, like, I, lack of fight IQ there on uh, Rocky's part, I think. Oh my God, it that was just for me. For me, it, it was just watching that Myra. It was it was too much too soon for her. I think that was the problem because after that first round, she just kind of tanked. And I don't know if it was because she gassed or if it's just because she she didn't have that five round experience. I don't think she's gone the distance in a five round fight ever. And Rocky's been there at least twice in a five-round fight, you know? And it's not to say that Rocky can't, you know, I think she's already the fighter that she's going to be. She's going to clinch. She's going to have decent boxing, be able to survive certain grappling exchanges. She's not the most exciting fighter, that's that's for sure. But the problem is, is that the rest of this division doesn't really have anybody to offer that can beat that currently. 
right? I mean, except for maybe Pena. And God, Pena needs to get a goddamn win before she's even in the goddamn conversation. Let her beat Durant, 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 I mean, the last person to fucking submit her. Let her do that. Let her, let her fight there. And then we can have a conversation about, oh, maybe she's deserving. No, she's not deserving. She fucking lost. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Right, 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 right over. It was a very women's MMA fight. Oh, I just woke up. What? Huh? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that shit was monotonous. Uh, like, like you said, fucking no special. I mean, props to Raquel. She's a she's an OG. She's been around for fucking ever. She's fought the who's who. But you are you are who you are, and who you are is no fucking fun. You are no fun to watch. You're no fun to listen to at press conferences. You're no fun on social media. You're no fun anywhere. You, you're the no fun zone, Raquel Pennington. That's what you are. And uh, that's what you're going to be as a champion. And I can't wait until somebody, probably Juliana, comes and snatches that fucking belt from you. Because you don't deserve it. Uh, as, as far as Myra Bueno Silva goes, I had high hopes because she's got a fucking mean streak. She's... She has that thing that most of the women in the UFC tend to lack, and it's that killer instinct, like, I want to fucking hurt you. I want to cause pain and violence on you. And I don't know where that shit went last night, because she didn't show any of it. Uh, she, the, 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 the most impressive thing she did was jumping on about five different submissions. None of them fucking worked. Yeah, she didn't get a face crank part, part way. I think it was close to the end of one of the rounds, which probably the second round. Uh, she, I mean, she, she, she had her moments, but she talks such a big fucking talk, and then she comes in there and does Jack's fucking shit. So, I don't know yeah. that that whole division's a fucking wreck. Jermaine, Jermaine, Duran, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys, she's still in the pool. She, she has a win over Juliana. I, I was laughing at one of our uh, former guests on here, uh, Larry, in the Discord, who said that uh, the result for this fight should have been that someone else needs to win the belt. Uh, <laughs> it's a draw. It's a draw. No one wins this belt. Uh, let's let's give another try. So. An Ankoliyev uh, Jan Blackowitz situation. Yeah. I mean, all all <sighs> kudos, all kudos to Pennington. She's a new mom. She's a mm-hmm. her and Tisha. We're going through some things over the last couple of years. I guess I've heard through various podcasts, and they've hammered that shit out. They got a family going. You know, you're a champion now. Good for you. Yeah, I, I guess I'll I'll end on a positive. Yeah, yeah. She okay, yeah. she's a she did the Carla Esparza. She <laughs> she finally yeah she, she got the she got the belt. Round it out. Yeah, yeah. She she did it. She did the thing. Although hers was at least you know Carla didn't fight for it. I mean technically she won it off the Ultimate Fighter and then you know technically walked away with the belt in the second rose fight. But whatever. <laughs> The, the she at least won the fight. She at least won the fight. You can you can't argue that she didn't win the fight, no, and there was in fact yeah, a fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, there's no. I mean, other than Pena, and again, my feelings on it are, Juliana needs to get a win. Realistically, it would be ideal if they put her against another bantamweight, or realistically against somebody who's a ranked contender, and then have Juliana win that fight. And then you can have momentum actually going into the fight. I don't feel like you losing warrants a actual title shot, but that's just me. 
I don't know. Pick the rankings up now to see who deserves it. Phantom weight, wasn't it? How old is GDR now? She's got to be 40. No, she's like 36, 37, I think. Is she? That's not I, bad. I, as well. No, because Holm is like 40 now. Yeah, women's MMA, you know, they, they age a little bit more gracefully than the men. Mm-hmm. Or, what about Irene Aldana? I, yeah. That's fine. I have no issue with that. They can both yeah. fight in UFC, uh, in like, uh, you know, the next UFC Noche or the next UFC Mexico. Like, that'd be ideal. Because it, she caters to a, a Hispanic uh, crowd anyways. And Aldana, putting her in front of the Mexican fans or Hispanic, you know, fans at any point on a live show, you can at least get some fan, you know, engagement with that. That at least can, you can get a contender out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's got a natural little uh, boost built into it because she has a, an audience already. Yep. Uh, shout out to one of the donks on the Discord. I think it was, uh, I'm not sure how to say his username correctly, Chori or Corey, who was talking about Aldana today, saying that, you know, she's got a good shot to make a run. So shout out to that yeah. donk. Yeah, <laughs> in this division too. <laughs> yeah, because I was I was drawing a blank there. <laughs> yes, I think we're I think we're good with that one. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, we've had almost ten minutes, and I think that's more than we that fight deserves. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun one for the fight that was before that. I guess Neil Magny defeating uh, Mike Malott. Uh, who's probably a friend of Lazy's, seen as he's uh, a fellow Ohioan, <laughs> not a fucking Canadian as he claims to be. Uh... God. <laughs> well, I'll take I'll take the lead on this one if nobody else wants. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. Take you back to Ohio. Take Mike Mullock with you while you're at it. Picture this: Cleveland, Ohio. Um, yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm disappointed because I was one of the few people who had high hopes for Malat, uh, and I blame the fucking Anna and Florian podcast for that because they really hyped the dude <laughs> up and had me buy into it. Oh, dear. But, um, you know, uh, he, he has such a good background, uh, and it it led me to believe that that was going to translate into the actual octagon time and in cage performance. Uh, and it looked like it was in his first few fights. Granted, he wasn't fighting anybody fucking special. But, you know, the, the time he spent as a coach and a cornerman at Alpha Male, um, I think he's cornered like fucking 20-some-odd fights in the UFC. So the, the jitters and stuff shouldn't have got to him. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was going to perform better than he did. I think that he probably came out feeling a bit of the, the pressure being in his hometown. Uh, having a lot of people in his attendance that I'm sure were family members and friends, um, maybe experienced some sort of an adrenaline dump. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy, but at the end of that fight, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone who wasn't a heavyweight that fucking spent, or you're just on the mat gassed. He didn't yeah, he even did, get up. Didn't even get up, did he? No, was, yeah. Fucking ridiculous. There was, there was gifts on Instagram like two seconds after that happened already. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, as far as I, I don't, at what his future is, I think he's like 32. Yeah, the welterweight is full of fucking sharks right now. Yeah. Uh, 
ceiling not looking too high. But he gets he gets he turns this around and gets another win or two. I think he could, you know, main event a fight night or something if they went back to Canada. He puts a little streak together. Uh, Neil Magny, classic gatekeeper, did the gatekeeper thing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's what it is. If Magny's ranking will improve from that win, because obviously Mallet wasn't in the isn't in the rankings. I think it should just keep him at the same spot, yeah. realistically. Lucky thirteen. Well, I, I'll expand on what Lazy was saying. Like legit, I think he just the moment got to him, and he he gassed. I I I don't think he was doing terrible throughout the fight. I think he was actually winning. And then oh, all of a sudden, the first two rounds, no argument there. And then he legitimately just gets stuck. And I don't know if that's because he freaked out and was trying to just like you know fight out of positions early on, and then just gets put in a place where he can't do anything. We didn't get put in a place where he couldn't do anything. He jumped into a leg entanglement uh, and then got the shit beaten out of him by Magda. Who I don't think those were. I don't, good at I don't well. think those were. Well, I I know, but like I don't think those were like death-defying blows that he was absorbing. I think he just, I think he, I don't, I don't want to say he quit, but I think he just, he's like, all right, well, fuck, I can't, you know, I can't get out of this. Magny's pressuring from top, and Magny, he's not known for a lot of things, but at least top pressure is one of them. Once he gets you in a position, he usually knows how to, ex, you know, expand upon hurting or at least keeping that position once he has it. He doesn't get it all the time, but when he does, he makes sure he uses it. And yeah, he's a, he's a legit vet, you know. There's yeah. there's a reason he's a gatekeeper because he is such a such a veteran of the sport. Yeah. yeah, but going to the other point about him being, he's an older prospect. He's 32. He's not going to expand upon his knowledge or skill sets any more than he already has. He might pick up one or two things more, but realistically, he should have been fighting, you know, a lot more than what he has. So yeah. He has an opportunity to turn this around. He fought a top ten guy. He lost top fifteen, possibly. And you know, it's it's it, it was it was was it the worst thing? You know, to lose to Neil Magny, a guy as veteran as he is, he just needs another couple of wins. He could do that. He just got to turn it around. It's early in the year. You got you got time. He just doesn't have a lot of it. You know, a, a lot of things I did like coming into the coming out of that fight, but you know, the gassing. I think I think it's just one of those things where you know, pay per view. Man, he wasn't the main event or the co-main. He was the feature. Everybody's yeah. kind of looking to you to kind of be like, okay, you're the exciting guy that's supposed to be coming up, and we're all supposed to be wondering, okay, is he the thing? Like, is he another Ian Gary? Is he another um, Jack Dylan Maddalena? You know, like, there's there's a possibility that he could be something. He still has that. He's just got to turn it around now. Can't yeah. You can't wait too much longer. I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was saying, I was chatting with Austin before the show, and uh, I said I was in uh, in a, a, a fight watch along uh, with uh, Stephen and Nick Barnhill. I'll give a shout out to the Barnhill Bros because I've been a, a fan of theirs for a while. Uh, and so is Joe Rogan, instantly, incidentally. He follows them. So <laughs> shout out to those guys. But uh, yeah, I was making the comments in their chat that uh, Magni needed this fight to be five rounds and he was going to win. And then literally, I think it was 10, 15 seconds later, uh, that was it. <laughs> The fight was over, and Magni had snatched the victory from the jaws of defeat. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> just well done there. Uh, but, another yeah. another thing, small thing to take into right. consideration for Mallet or Malot is uh, oh, what the fuck is I gonna say? Thanks, marijuana. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Maybe Jane got him. 
<laughs> oh, uh, he, by the time he had made the, the walk to the cage, how many male Canadians had lost by that point? Like, hadn't they all lost? Yeah, they went 0 for 7 in the men's uh, Canadian. Yeah. So was, was he the, the last? The ladies who win all won. Yeah, he no, was the I... last one, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, by the time he made that, like, he was their last ditch effort. He was their last hope. Oh. He had all the pressure on him already, and now it was fucking amplified. So, I think that with, with his level of experience, I don't think that he got, uh, you know, flustered because he, he was overwhelmed not knowing what to do. I think that, like you hear so many fighters say, their biggest fear is gassing out when more than anything else running out of stamina in the middle of a fight is this fucking scariest thing for them. So I think yeah. once he realized how, just how gas he was and Magny was on top of him, a little bit of panic did set in and he just didn't know what the fuck to do. He yeah. just covered up, didn't he? He just covered up. Yeah. That was, that was the thing. Like he just, he literally, he had nowhere else to go and he was stuck. Yeah. And he it was like what? out of water, just flailing. Yeah. Yep. Those and those shots, like you said, those weren't fucking killer blows, but they he was just paint brushing them to fucking death, just yeah, stacking yep. them around. Yeah, you got you got to show some resistance. He, he could have easily have shown enough resistance to make it to the fifth end of the f third round. Um, yeah, he would have, he would have won the fight two one more than likely, or maybe he would have got a draw. Uh, who knows? Magni might have snatched a ten eight at the end of the round, uh, but he just didn't for what for whatever reason. Gas tank, whatever the hell it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I think I think he has the ability to kind of bounce back from this. But that that'll his next fight will tell us. Regardless, you know, are you that guy or are we overhyping you? You know. Yeah. Okay, okay. I don't think we have anything Next. left on that one. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Sean's victorious uh, teammate Chris Curtis defeating mm -hmm. uh, Mark Andre Barrio. Split decision won this one. Uh, two thirty twenty sevens and a twenty eight twenty nine. Uh, I, don't, I haven't seen the scorecards. Who scored what for them? Uh, I, I had this fight twenty nine twenty eight for Chris Curtis. I thought he did more than enough. I can't remember which round it was. I thought that uh, Mark had snatched from him, but that's the score I had at the end of it. I do remember the score I had. Mm, uh, for me, it felt like a typical Chris Curtis fight. Okay. I'm not going to do anything the first round. I'm just going to kind of pot at you. You're going to throw yeah. heavy shots occasionally, maybe a jab or two. I'm just going to take whatever you're kind of giving me. Second round comes along. He, you know, pressures a little bit more, but he's not, you know, pressuring hard. And, like, Marc-Andre Barrio is more than happy to kind of keep marching forward, keep, you know, throwing these leg kicks at him. Uh, not not a whole lot of damage is landing on either fighter, but eventually they start you know touching each other up a little bit more. Third round comes around, and now you fuck, now you see uh, Chris Curtis finally throwing heavier strikes. He's finally getting into the groove of the fight. He's pushing forward. He's he's hammering heavy on some of those shots, especially to the body, looking for uppercuts. These swinging hooks and whatnot. And the last thirty seconds is like probably the best version of that fight, or they're just. They're not the most skilled of the middleweight division. Probably definitely mid-15. Just around the 15 ranking, I would say, is for both of these guys. And they're just willing to throw hammers in the middle of the pocket. And it, it, it shows. Like, that's the kind of fight that this was. It was, it was just a little bit of a back and forth. Marc-Andre Barrio's got the pressure going forward, but he's still eating a decent amount of shots. Chris Curtis is not throwing a lot, but when he throws, it means, like, something. 
I, I just looked at this fight and thought, it's a typical Chris Curtis fight. He's allowing his opponent to stay in the fight, and he's not looking to finish him right off the bat. And he's not throwing enough to outright win the rounds. You have to kind of squint, and you're like, yeah, I could see it for him. That's not the best way to kind of go about it in this division. But I'd quite like to see this, the, the stats for that fight, actually. I haven't looked them up and see what the significant strikes and whatnot to. What I'd imagine it's it's uh, favoring the numbers should favor uh, Barry up, yeah, but I would say the the significant strikes should probably favor Chris. Yeah. The one thing about the fight, it did you know it started off slow and it got more exciting as it went on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> as opposed to them both gassing out in the first round and then it being a complete <laughs> uh, you know try and lay on top of the other guy fest for the last round or whatever. No, it was, it was a stand up affair, thankfully. <laughs> I did not. I don't know if you noticed. I noticed Chris Curtis doing some uh, very Sean Strickland-like uh, blocking, which obviously he's been training with uh, Sean a lot. He, you know, he trains with him six days a week, uh, and he was doing a lot of those little. I don't even know what you call them, like kind of a little cross block almost with the straight arm in front of himself. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. A little Philly show with the shoulder roll. Yeah, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, my thoughts on this fight. Uh... Actually, it kind of dovetail, dovetails with what uh, you guys were sort of saying. And it goes back, harkens back to what I was saying in the, uh, about the Strickland fight. And it's, it's interesting that him and Strickland are, are close friends and training partners. And I felt like they both sort of did the same thing. They, they didn't push the pace enough. You didn't, you didn't do enough to solidify in the eyes of the viewers and the judges that you're the one dictating the fight. You're the one calling the shots. You're the one controlling the action. Um, I guess you could say the same thing about Burial in this fight because look at his fucking nickname, the Power Bar. Uh, he's called that because he's supposed to have stamina for fucking days. Oh, yeah, usually uh, uh, him pushing the pace is his one of his signatures. Um, somebody online I saw in one of the comment sections somewhere said it was basically a glorified sparring match and that's kind of the, the, the feel I got from it, too, until that third round when they really started to let it go. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty high still on the power bar. I think he's got a fairly bright future ahead of him, although he is also getting up there in age. Uh, Curtis, I believe, is 36 now, so yeah. he's on, on the tail end of things. Um, Light heavyweight, but, so I guess he's got a little bit more yeah, true, to find. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, yeah, shout out to Chris Curtis. He's a Cincinnati boy, so he's from Ohio. Gets a little bit of love from me for that. Uh, he's also really good friends with the handicapper on Anakin Florian, Brian Petrie, big gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're yeah, good, good buddies, both Cincinnati boys. So good on you, Chris Curtis. Uh, you know, wasn't the most exciting fight, but most of these ones weren't. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> I, I, I did forget to bring this up when we were talking about the uh, Strickland fight. Did you see the? You've obviously seen the photos of the guys after the fight. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking at damage, Sean Strickland's got like a little cut by the side of his eye, and um, I think even uh, Duplessis described himself. My face looks like a cauliflower. Uh, just looking on damage, Duplessis. Yeah, that took thing grew. Far more it grew. In that, uh, uh, yeah, he looked like he'd been whooped by Sean's dad. Quite frankly. Oh Jesus! <laughs> uh, yeah, let's not go back. Let's carry on to the next one, unless anyone wants to say anything more about Chris Curtis. I think the you know fun matchups are ahead for Curtis, and you know Mark Andre Barrio showed that he's still a guy that has it. You know, good for them. 
Good fight. It was a good fight. Oh, Chris Curtis is 14th ranked at the minute, sliding out of the top 15 by the looks of it. So he holds his position. Good for him. Yeah, it looks that way, yeah. And then we go for the card opener, the main card opener. Movzar Evluev. I'm not going to do an attempt at anic pronunciation of that one. Uh, <laughs> Movzar Evluev. Yep, yep, there it is. Perfect. Very well done. Bravo, Austin. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yes. Mm. <laughs> The Annex School of Pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, what do you, you think, think about that one? Um, this this was one of those fights. It just didn't really attract my attention, to be honest. Uh, the most thing I noticed about it was the uh, semi-legal or illegal knees that um, Alan managed to hit Evloev mm -hmm. uh, with. Yeah. Was that second round or third round where he landed those? I think it was the second. Yeah, I think so. At least he didn't quit. At least he got up and carried on. Yeah, that's true. Didn't take the easy way out. No, he could have very easily done that. Yeah. Judges had no problem. I mean, the judges all scored this card the same way, so it was all 29-28. No, it was... Yeah. It was um, it was definitely... A, okay, so let me say this. This one was my fight of the night for, for all purposes on this one. Really? So, yep. Wow. For me, specifically... Now, I'll say this. Looking at Mozart Ivloyev, he is that guy that is the featherweight version of what Khabib is. And he's he's not the biggest guy either, but he's fucking stocky as shit. Like, here's your typical, I'm going to beat the shit out of you, however I can get you down to the mat. And he has looked impressive against every single person that he's fought, except for... Um, uh, Diego Lopez, Lopez, right? That was the only guy to actually push him and make him fight off of his back, off of out of submissions and everything. But even then, he still managed to put on a pretty decent performance from that fight. This fight shows that he is a champion pretty much in waiting. No matter who's next for the title or whoever wins that fight between Ilya Tapuria and Alexander Volkanovsky, Mozart Ivoyev is that goddamn dark horse of the division that you don't know a whole lot about but you fucking know he's good and you cannot give him any room to be dominant the minute you give him an inch he's going to take a mile put your ass on the mat and start looking for submissions if not ground and pound he is that type of good fighter he is dominant arnold allen is a contender by all definitions he is a great fighter he struggled in this fight with the pacing that Mozart was able to push on him. He, he was able to bounce out of a lot of stuff that was, you know, pushing uh, Arnold against the fence. A lot of things where he's trying to Granby on a regular basis to get out of spots. He just got caught once or twice, and he was still able to keep fighting through positions. He just He was just a step behind, just a step behind. And that's the thing that was the beauty of this fight for me was that these are two guys who are in their prime. They are not past 35. They're not. They're they're prime fighters. In one of the point, like these are the guys that you want to see fighting. This yeah. I would pay extra just to see these two fight again because this legitimately was like okay. I need to see who the best in the featherweight division is right now. I think both of these guys could have fought for the title already, but we're making them fight each other now. It is what it is, but. Arnold no, Allen, yeah, Allen did have his shot against Holloway, didn't he? And Max beat 
being yeah, I, there's a whole there's a whole th- issue I have with that fight just to begin with. I don't think Max needed to fight a contender. I think he just needed to take on fun fights, and then we could have put him against you know who else. Like we he, we should not be putting Max against contenders if he possibly well, he, even Volk said that didn't he? He said stop beating yes. my uh, contenders. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I want to fight these guys. If you're going off for pure meritocracy, Max has to fight these guys in order to stay in contention. But that's the problem. He's already lost to Volk three times. Like you can't, you can't ask Max to fight contenders if he's already lost to the guys that's holding the belt. But that's another story. Um, This, to me, I want to see Mozart fight for the title. He does not need to fight anybody else. Arnold, I, I, I no, he, no, absolutely not. Arnold Allen is that guy that you can say if Arnold is second or third in line after Max or even whoever else is there, Max is what out of the a, picture now. What about a match versus Brian Ortega? If we anyone nope. can find out where Brian the hell he does is. not even nope the, <laughs> does not deserve anything. That man needs to actually get a goddamn win first in the division. Then we could talk about him maybe fighting for yeah. the fucking title. No, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, I forget which one of the ladies it was who's been uh, booted out of the rankings, hasn't she? <laughs> Ortega, Ortega still sat there at third place, having not fought for a year or or more. Because uh, like, he's yes. so damn beautiful. <laughs> no, stop it! You stop it! You're falling for the trick. <laughs> Crystal blue eyes. <laughs> See, that's bullshit. You, he's getting to you. Hubba hubba. <laughs> God damn it! This is black magic is working on you. <laughs> Uh, well, this was a good fight. It was a really good fight. I think if you looked at all the all the, the fights on the main card, this was the one, the only one outside of the main event that could have really stood alone as a main event on just about any card. Uh, you put these two dudes at the top of the bill, people are going to tune in and they're going to watch. Uh, like you were saying, no special. These are two guys at the top of their division in their prime, um, both elite contenders. <sighs> Ivloyev is just, he's that dude who's, he, if he has a game plan, he's going to implement that game plan, and you're not going to prevent him from, from doing it. Uh, you're going to have to work around it and try to find a workaround to beat him. And that's sort of what I feel Diego Lopez did, uh, you know, really working his BJJ in, the, in those grappling scrambles. And Arnold just, outside of that, what did he, he attempted a, a either a ninja choke or a guillotine, something like that. Um, outside of that, he didn't really threaten much of anything. Uh, I hate it for Arnold because he's one of my favorite guys uh, in the division. He's one of my favorite guys in the UFC altogether. Uh, I love the Pacer Allen stuff with his dad. He was great on Room Service Diaries. Uh, yeah. He's just a good dude. But... <sighs> It shows you when you start getting up into that top five in any division, but especially in ones like featherweight or lightweight, bantamweight, those really tough ones, the percentage points that separate these guys are so small. It's, it's, uh, you know, tiny little differences that make all the difference in the world. So, you know, I I don't knock Arnold down too far for losing, even though, what is this, two in a row now? Yeah. Um, Yeah. One is to a former champion. This one is yeah. to a top contender. So you got to give him some grace on that, I guess. Yeah. You, you can't knock the guy too much for it. Uh, although it does suck. He, he really needs a win in his next one. But mm-hmm. Eve Loyev, dude, that guy. Yeah, like you said, I don't even know if he's the dark horse of the division anymore. I think he's the boogeyman. I think he's the one that most all these guys want to avoid. 
That's because, a good point. Yeah, because he has that style that's just it's it's Sunny, almost Sunny, Sunny wrestling has not gone away <laughs> just yet, has it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's impossible to deal with almost. So um I think I think bright things ahead for both, but for Allen and future's a little bit more cloudy right now, so see see what unfolds. Put him against Brian. Yeah. Isn't T City uh, scheduled to fight somebody? Finally. Oh no, you're right. You're right. I apologize. I hated him so much that I forget he was matched up. <laughs> <laughs> That's on me. That's on me. God. But no, I hell put him against um who was it? Josh Emmett. Put him against Josh Emmett. Josh yeah. Emmett just got a win, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Josh Emmett's a hard fight for anybody because oh, yeah. he's he doesn't go away very easy, but he's not the most <sighs> technical. This would be it would be a good fight for him, I think, especially him needing a win. That would be a fucking barn burner, dude. Think about that. Yeah, that's true. I'm thinking about it now. (laughs) Yeah, that could be a fun fight. Somebody's probably going to sleep. Oh yeah. (laughs) One more. It's yeah. It's a good test for Arnold again. He needs a win, right? And. Emmett, if he wants to stay in contention, he needs another win as well. He didn't say anything about retiring anytime soon. So he's probably not going to get a title shot anytime soon either. So might as well fight the guys that they put in front of you. You know, Arnold's one of those guys that you can put in front of him. And it means it makes sense. It makes sense, at least. Yeah. Where's my boy Bryce Mitchell fitting all this? (laughs) Oh, God. Don't be out for his blood again, uh, ladies. <laughs> you've, you've already murdered our full farm boy once already. Uh, he's, he's still recovering. I'll leave him alone. <laughs> still, still trying to track down his soul from where Emmett knocked it out of his body. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess while we're on this uh, division, uh, we might as well just have a quick jump over to uh, the announcement for USC 300 with uh, Max Holloway uh, taking on Justin Gaethje. Uh, what did you two think about that? This is a fight. I think this could be a super exciting fight, and I still don't want to see it. I don't think Max <laughs> needs to take a beating from uh, I think Holloway, uh, sorry, I think uh, Gaethje will win this one. I'm not saying Max can't be competitive, because he probably will be, but I just don't see him beating Justin. I think the power's too much for him. Yeah, you go ahead and take this one, Lizzie. Jeez. You know, I don't see the point in that be honest with you um i know max probably just doesn't want to sit and stay idle while he waits for volk to do his thing uh coming up against Taporia. but i feel like he's at a place in his career where this this kind of fight there's there's more at risk than there is to gain um yeah like you're you're not only gambling with your place uh well it, even though it's not a featherweight fight i feel like it, if he loses it's going to somewhat jeopardize his his position in the featherweight division because he is getting up there in age not necessarily but in cage time he's 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 a vet um so uh, he's what, i just so i don't know i think is any max yeah, yeah. So you would think he's entering his prime, which he may be, but uh, that amount of cage time accrued. Uh, I don't know. Like I was saying, I, I just, I don't really see the point in it. Um, I don't see necessarily other than than money, uh, what you're gaining from this. 
And I feel like it would have been a much smarter thing to just kind of hang back and see what happens between Volk and Taporia. Now, granted, Volk could win and, and Max is screwed. So I th- that might be why he, he wanted this fight. Um, but I don't want you to die, Max. I don't want you to die. You're my boy. <laughs> no one wants to see Max's legendary uh, chin cracked. And Gaethje is the kind of guy to do it. Exactly. I, if there's anybody that's gonna fucking crack it, it's a guy like Justin. Yeah, Especially you, well, Justin. Uh, I mean, he's he's off the scale compared to what he was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God damn it. All right. So my matchup that I wanted for Max was Edson Barbosa, and I don't know why we couldn't have just gotten that at UFC 300, a featherweight who's been in the game just as long as Max. Matter of fact, Max has been around about the same time, if not just as long. So, look, it's not that this fight isn't going to be entertaining. It's going to be entertaining. It's hard to have a Max fight not being entertaining. It's hard to have a Justin Gaethje fight not being entertaining. Both of them together are going to cause mayhem, you know, but I think had Max, once he lost to, you know, Volk the third time, he should have just gone up to lightweight at that point. Like, why cut weight anymore to make 145 when you can take a couple of fun fights at 155 and just stay in contention? You, he's 30 years old now. He's not going to get much better than what he already is. He's already a former champion. He beat Aldo. He beat... You know, Edgar, he beat anybody who was like, you know, worthy at 145. And then pretty much now he's he's already a legend at 30 years old. And that's the thing. You can't take that away from him. He doesn't need this fight, but it's it's more. I think they didn't know what to do with Max and Max kind of created a problem for them when he beat Allen. And he also stayed in contention when beating, you know, Korean zombie. There's there's a problem with that. You can't have a former champion just beat contenders like he did with Allen. He should have just been fighting the older names like Zombie, Edson, hell, even a rematch with Brian Ortega, uh, a fight with uh, Yair Rodriguez, a rematch in that. You know, there's names that he could have fought besides the contenders, and you could have just allowed the contenders to just make their way up into the rankings and then fight for a championship against Volk or whoever the champion is at that time. You could have just made Max a fun fight you know, just stay in contention, just like Joseph Benavides did with uh, Mighty Mouse when he was actually, you know, he lost to him the first time. He stayed in contention, ready to go, and then just lost after getting knocked out. What did he do? He he went on a win streak. He went on a six-fight win streak, maybe once one fight a year, right? Still entertaining. Still, you know, ended up eventually getting a title fight once, you know, Mighty Mouse left the uh, the organization. He lost, but he had the opportunity to come back, but he didn't take on every single contender that the UFC had at that point. He just had to keep fighting. That's not the case with Max. I think at this point, they're just like, they don't know what to do with Max. So they're like, all right, well, let's just throw him in some with uh, random fights. Uh, well, 300 needs a fight, right? Let's just throw him in with that. You know, Justin Gaethje, BMF belt. Let's have him defend it this time. Even though they fucking said that he wouldn't ever need to defend a fucking BMF belt, because fuck that. Why, why are we doing this shit anyways? Fucking... Bullshit. Ah. It was, well, to be fair, it wasn't Max who asked for that fight. No, uh, that, that's a, what I'm saying. a lot of criticism saying, you know, the UFC's bludgeons Max into taking this fight, and he hasn't. Max asked for it. Even Gaethje said, I don't want this fight. I like Max. I don't want to punish the guy. So I, I know, but that's the thing. You, if he's asking for it, you have to give him something. They should have just done something else with him. 
I think that's what you could have done. I don't think. Well, I like I like Lazy's idea of uh, the Barbosa fight. That would have been fire. I'd have loved to have seen that. Yeah, that's the thing. Much more than I would like to see Gaethje versus him. Yeah, because it means it, it means something more. Yeah. I. It's more. It's more like out of fear. I think all of us are on the same page with this. We just don't want to see Max get hurt, and we love Justin. But we we all adore Max, and Max is that guy for us right now. And it's like, I don't want to see Max be put through more damage than he already has, especially for a fight that means nothing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's sort of this it's this thing where it's like, outside of what the UFC gains from adding this fight to 300 and it kind of bolstering the card, outside of that it's really a lose-lose for them because you're taking two, to, to borrow a pro wrestling term, you're taking two of the baby faces of the company, two of the most beloved guys under your banner, and you're making them face off in a fight that the victor really gains nothing. So mm-hmm. the fans ultimately lose because no matter who wins, you got to see one of your favorites get beat to shit. Like, yeah, it's, it's not going to be... Uh, you know, I, I I don't know what they're looking for, but I don't think they're going to get it. Well, no, maybe it's it, just keep Gaethje occupied because they they don't seem to want to give him the next shot to uh, Makachev uh, for I whatever think, reason. I think I that's think because deserves. Ramadan's coming up, and I I think they're like they'd rather just if if Islam isn't trying to fight around that time, they're like, well, look, you can either wait till July or after Ramadan. And Islam will be available. Uh, or you can fight somebody else in the meantime. And then I guess he just, he'd be out. I think the problem is, is that somebody had said this before. When he beat Dustin, it was almost a year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a yeah. year of him not fighting, right? Yeah. But Islam has said so, that he wants to get three fights in this year. And the UFC doesn't seem to want to oblige him. I I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like they, they for some reason, just... That you're also in a tough position because he's earned a title fight, so you can't just give him anybody. So if he can't, oh well, it's just it's the way the UFC is running things right now. It's it just kind of feels like they're kind of like, all right, let's just throw shit at the wall and hopefully it works. You know, they have intentions to fight, have contenders fight a contender eventually, but it's usually with they're looking for specific. Okay, what's the most attractive fight we can put on, and then we just go from there. You know, yeah. instead of having the meritocracy decide. Uh-huh. Well, and here's a, a little interesting question about this fight, too, is, as we know, uh, only champions get pay-per-view points. Uh, a BMF title has never been defended. So with Justin being the defending BMF champion, does he get pay-per-view points? I think they must have offered him that to get him to fight Max. Otherwise, I think he uh-huh. would have turned around and gone, no, I don't, I don't want to fight him, get lost. There has to be a side letter for both of them at this point, because yeah. if, which you can make that part of your contract, like, okay, here's my base pay, right? I get a flat fee of whatever, or whatever my contract states, if I get, you know, 150 and 150,000 or whatever max is, is probably going to be closer to 500,000, I'm imagining, because he is a former champion. He's been with the company for a long time. And that man has, you know, he, he has drawing power. Max has yeah. drawing power. Not the best, but he's, he's a good draw, especially if you put him on TV regularly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly amongst the hard hardcore fans, Max is a huge draw. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Justin's just. I think he's a good draw as well. Not the. Not like a. A major draw, but I think Max is a little bit more popular than him. But at the same time, I'm I think both sure of these guys. That, I'm pretty sure Max is more like universally. Uh, I, did, I did like check Gitchy's record. Apart from uh, one or two of his losses, and I think even on one of his losses, he always gets performance of the night, fight of the night, KO of the night, whatever it is. Yeah. There's a reason he's called the highlight, because he bloody well is. There's no yeah. one that's more exciting in the UFC than Justin Gaethje, and you can fight me over that if you like. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying he's not exciting. I'm just saying <laughs> one might be more popular than the other. So, in this case, I think it doesn't matter because I think – that if I'm if I'm their agent or whoever they're working with, I would have fought to make sure both of these guys had at least a, a side letter. But well, I know one of them works with Ali. I don't know if the other one does. So, well, Gaethje does certainly. <laughs> that's, that's where he was trying to get the pair of them together, wasn't it? Islam versus Gaethje, double payday for Ali. Uh, Usually. <laughs> Pay your child support, Ali. <laughs> oh, Jesus. He's got dodgy stuff on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sh- should we go back on track and are we done with that? Yeah, we go we'll, the, go, uh, we'll go to Katona, yeah. To uh, the Brad Katona, who I described as a serial killer without realising until Lazy, Lazy told me that uh, he was described that way on uh, his, whichever tough season he was on. Uh, <laughs> which I thought was hilariously funny. I genuinely didn't know. It was just my own <laughs> observation. You know, was, oh, Christ, he looks like a serial killer. The nerdy serial killer, I think I called him. Uh, <laughs> the eyes, Chico, the eyes never lie. <laughs> yeah. What did you do? got Ted Catoni, you called him, wasn't it? Uh, Lazy. <laughs> there it is. You want to take this one, Lazy? No, yeah. Um, not a whole lot to say about this one. Um, uh, I did have Katona coming in just because of the the grappling prowess and stuff that he's showing throughout his fights. Um, I heard it somewhere on one on a podcast somewhere and i agreed with it i don't think katana should have ever been cut from the ufc mm-hmm. uh, i think that was kind of a weird move but uh you know dude's built like a fucking brick shit house for a fucking bantamweight. Yeah. he's a monster we've <laughs> uh, got a real clark kent thing going on because when you see him with his glasses and his shirt on you don't suspect at all that the dude underneath is a fucking heathen <laughs> just a little ball of muscle <laughs> yeah, yeah. fucking meatball. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good fight. Um, Armfield was surprisingly uh, pretty sharp with his striking. I do recall that. Um, mm-hmm. well, it wasn't any. There was no controversy in the decision. It was twenty nine, twenty eight straight. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was pretty, pretty unanimous. It's one of my uh, seven losses of the night here. <laughs> I, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You did better than me. I got eight on this card. So. I think I went eight not, and five. Not on a good the night. night for the favourites uh, last night. No, I went eight and five in my picks. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Other than you, you might have gone eight and four. You can't have gone eight and five because there were only twelve fights. What the hell did I pick? I, I swear. <laughs> uh, d- d- never mind. Uh, back onto the point. Back onto the point. Um. <laughs> I I'll be I'll be the one that's an outlier on this. I thought I thought Brad Katona won. I don't know. 
I don't know. For me, I thought I thought he was competitive throughout the fight. Was dominant with his grappling exchanges. Uh, his takedowns were were great. His uh, he didn't do a whole lot of damage from top, but when he had the takedowns, they were Armfield was able to get some you know good exchanges on the feet. But I felt Katona did enough to win. I I don't know if that's just because I I thought Katona was a better fighter. I didn't think Arfield was the best fighter. I didn't think Arfield won, but I don't know. Weird. Weird for me to watch this one, and I'm like, okay, they read the, they read, they read the decision. I'm like, I literally looked up as I was taking notes, and I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, maybe it was more obvious that Armfield won, but my first glance at it, it was like, no, I, I definitely had Katona. I, the exchanges were pretty close. Armfield, I think, was winning was like the hard exchanges, but Katona had a lot of like hooks that were landing and was landing decent power shots. I thought again, I think this is a, the point of like the does the takedowns reward the striking, or is it like is if there's like close you know stats on the feet, does the grappling even if it doesn't lead to damage equal a win? And I guess that's the thing. It's like it just it counted against him instead. With the judges, at least. So, I don't know. Something to think about, I guess. I was too distracted. I, I, I can't remember why, but I didn't take that much notice of this fight. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it wasn't that exciting for whatever reason. The, the funny one was the, the, unless, do you want to bring anything in, Lazy, on this one? Um, on, on the Katona one? Yeah. Uh, I don't got anything else yeah. about it. Okay. Yeah. So on to the fight before it then the the slightly controversial one because at least uh charles jordan uh, seemed to hear things differently <laughs> the uh <laughs> with both both guys raising their arm and woodson actually walking off and thinking shit i lost this fight and then getting called back it's like no pal you, you know your name was called you won yeah that was a weird one i was uh, i don't think i've ever seen that happen in the octagon before that was pretty peculiar mm-hmm Maybe maybe Bruce has been on the Bud Light too much in that uh, before the crowd started or something. No, because what they did was they called they called Sean Woodson, but the crowd was like yelling at the same yeah. time, so it just ended up being one of those things where you're like, "Well, shit!" And then Daniel's laughing the whole time because, of course, he is. He's just like, "No, Sean, Sean, you won." <laughs> He's like, "Oh shit, what I did?" He's all, "Yeah," and that was the thing. It's like. You have a six foot three featherweight, a guy who looks like skin and bones, his head looks like in a blown up skull, and <laughs> he's just he's lanky. He's not super strong. He's not super like damaging with the strikes uh, a lot of the times. I, you're gonna have a hard time fighting featherweights that are gonna beat this guy, especially since he's got really like good six boxing. Foot three or something. No, he yeah, he's a hundred percent six foot three. I think huge, and, huge, yeah, which. <laughs> but huge huge but <laughs> look here's the problem with this thing he should be fighting as a lightweight i i thoroughly believe that he could be a better lightweight than he is a featherweight i think he literally cuts the weight because he started as a heavy an actual heavyweight i think yeah, in combat yeah. sports originally really uh yeah he, there's I pictures of him as a heavy man joking about that no yeah, he legit yeah, it's a thing. It's a real thing. So him making weight at 145 pounds at the frame of 6'3", 
He's not going to have a whole lot of muscle. And I, I think Jordan, not being a natural grappler, struggled to get a tall man down. So his best bet was to just like throw haymakers in his mind. I don't think that was the case. I think he just needed a little bit more training with grappling. He had options and he had like he had Sean against the fence multiple times. He, you did the, he does the thing that you're not supposed to do, which was fight for a single leg longer than you need to. And that's what he was doing. He was literally holding it up at his chest and that's not going to do anything for you. He's not looking, he's not doing the trip like he should. He's not pressing him against the fence and switching to a double like immediately. Like the idea is if you have an opponent that's taller than you and you're trying to take him down, your best bet is to waste less time trying to fight for the leg. You need to use it to immediately get to a double or find a way to trip him and take him to the mat. He didn't do any of that. Matter of fact, he struggled with it single leg more often than not. It, six foot three, uh, staying at range is not the ideal situation either. He's jumping in and out, getting caught with a jab, getting caught with a hook, and he's just allowing Sean to be a presence outside the pocket. He struggled. He managed to get a couple of big shots in there, but that's the thing. Is like you, you got to get in his face. You have to be willing to take a shot, but you also have to be pressuring him. If you're not pressuring him on a regular basis and you're not throwing 100% of your strikes constantly trying to find just a target because he was headhunting. He was looking for big headshots and he landed one or two, but you need to hit his body. You need to hit his legs. You need to pressure him and cut him off. He wasn't doing enough of that. And with Woodson, Woodson literally has a pretty decent amount of defense and he's got a decent jab. Like you, you're not going to beat that staying on the outside of him. So no. But I would like to see him as a lightweight because I feel like he'd actually have competition that he'd have to fight. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird for me to watch a six foot three featherweight that's just there. And he's just like, pop, 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 pop. yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that, was, that was sort of if, my take. If, if Woodson ever wants to retire from uh, fighting, he has an avid place as, a, as, a, as an extra on the expanse as a belter. Uh, <laughs> low, low gravity boy. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, my my uh, interesting take from this fight was sort of like what you just said. No special. I think I would like to see Woodson move up to 155, and on the opposite of that, I might want to see Jordan move down to 135. the The size difference was so fucking apparent, and Jordan's not a huge. 145 or like not i mean obviously not height wise but even thickness i I think if he a couple of diet changes and some different things he could easily make 135 and i think at his size he would be a lot more competitive down there um woodson if you watch the weigh-in shows he had one of the roughest cuts out of anybody that weighed in he looked like fucking hell on the scale um so yeah I, i sort of do think that he's He's probably killing himself a little bit more than he needs to just to get down to 145 to have that size advantage. But even even at fucking lightweight, dude, six three is huge. Yeah. So, I don't so know, I mean, I, he I, might he might fight that guy that's like, let's say a Dan Hooker who's six foot, I think, uh, six foot one or two, I can't remember. Jalen Turner. Or Jalen Turner, yes. Um, Demir Ismagulov would have been an interesting one, uh, yeah. a taller striker. Uh, Guram Kutatalatse, who's kind of like a well-rounded fighter, but also a big, big for the weight class as well. There's a couple of lightweights you could throw at him that are his mm-hmm. size, and he'd have to adjust. 
which yeah. is great because I want to see him challenged. He didn't seem challenged in this fight. He just kind of seemed to, all right, I'm going to be there. I'm going to, and I think that's the more frustrating part is that he didn't have that killer instinct. Like yeah. we, we, like we were all looking at with a couple of the other fighters. Like you can tell high level fighters when they're there. I can't tell if he's a high level fighter or not because I just, I see talent. And it, it looks like he's just kind of taking a back seat to, all right, I'm going to let him give me the fight that I want. And I'm not going to change too much of that, which is fine. But that's like your prospect who's not trying to test himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But that's all I got. <laughs> I was just checking that neither of them are ranked, but I can't see either of them. How old is Whitson? I have no idea off the top of my head. It's got to be like, what, 31? 32, maybe? Uh, I can look. Woodson. Woodson is 31, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's got time. I think he he's not like a Malat, right? Uh, no. Okay, so right. he three, he could make the jump. Late. Yeah, he's got, he could make the jump to lightweight, make a run real quick. But, I mean, if he's at featherweight, he's not, like, breaking the rankings anytime soon. It's not like Jordan. Jordan wasn't ranked going into this fight, so it wouldn't be an out-of-the-pocket question for him to go up to lightweight and at least take on someone who's, like, a, you know, not a ranked fighter, but a decent name that he can fight. You know, he doesn't have to make the cut, get a win here or there, get three wins in a row, all of a sudden he can probably is a contender. I know it's I know it's way too early, but what about Woodson versus O'Malley for the you know lanky boy versus the guy who thinks he's <laughs> lanky for that division? Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh, you know, oh, you know who you could do? Oh, um, who's the young kid at lightweight right now? The one uh, who had us? Uh, was it M and M's? Oh God damn it! Lightweight. He's a he used to be a featherweight too, but he's like a a, fly, a lightweight right now. He's like twenty one or twenty two right now. I can't remember. Oh no, uh, no idea. Oh, name's on the tip of my tongue right now. I can't remember. He's like a kid, kid though. He looks like a Ben Askren's son. Oh, Chase Super. Hooper. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Chase, Chase Hooper. That'd be a perfect shot for him. Oh yeah, yeah. You got Chase Hooper, who looks like Ben Askren, who looks like Roman Kopylov. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you. Also, Editor Dave. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to rifle through these last ones? Because I got about 10 minutes and I got to hop yeah. off here. Yeah. 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 Let's go. Uh, well, and uh, my, my fight of the night was uh, Tavares versus Sidi, uh, which was just a backwards and forwards bloodbath. I, th- I thought Sidi uh, stole this one. He uh, definitely lost the first round, definitely won the second round, and then the third round was a close round. I think he was doing, you know, he was coming forward more, landing more, maybe landing less powerful, I guess. But I had, I had City. Yeah. I know it was split, was a split decision. I, I'd love to see that fight again, to be honest. I think that'd be a fun one to to repeat. Yeah, I loved it. I yeah. thought that was a hell of a fucking scrap. And I do agree with you that I think that City did enough to win. Um, I could see it going either way because of how fucking damaged City was. City, his nose was fucking shot. Uh, oh, yeah. it was it was giving me uh like borderline flashbacks to Rory McDonald versus uh, Robbie Lawler. Yeah, in Canada with the fucking smash nose. Like, jeez. 
But yeah, it was a it was a hell of a fight, and I would not mind watching that a third time. Actually, I, th- I think it was when he got poked on the nose, he spat his mouth guard out, and uh, the ref just was like, "Put it back in or don't." But you're not getting water on it. I'm not giving you a break. Yeah, <laughs> lube that bitch that with good. blood if you want to put it back in. Oh, Jesus, oh. yeah. Wouldn't be the a good first scrap. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good scrap. Definitely up. Uh, contender for fight of the night for sure. I mean, both of these guys should get you know paychecks regardless. But we're yeah. Um, well, it'd be fun Tavares to see them. shouldn't have got a paycheck because Tavares weighed in overweight. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's bonus. right. I, I was swearing that. about this one because if I'd have known, if I'd have realized uh, my fault for not paying attention, if I'd known Tavares had missed weight, I, w- I would have picked him over uh, City, uh, and I didn't. So, cost me a pick there. Yeah. Mm. So City got thirty percent of that purse. That's true. Yeah. We would have gotten probably, more money. We would have gotten twelve the bigger purse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and the other bloodbath, Jasmine Jaz uh, Davisius, defeating uh, Priscilla Cachoeira, uh, managed to get the anaconda choke in right at the end, uh, and sp- spoilt what might have been the most dominant fight result ever, ever, <laughs> because uh, that could have easily been a, a thirty twenty four uh, card, I think. Yeah. Someone posted that magnificent picture in the. Uh, in the in the Discord somewhere with her just bleeding all over the cage. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, one, of the, one of the few upsides of the night for Canada. Yeah. Well, two. Well, I think yeah. both, the, the, I said both the, the Canadian one. ladies won, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, her and Robertson both won, and yeah. that was the thing. Uh, good for them, good for them. Uh, uh, Dominic, uh, they both have wins over Ketchaway as well. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. That was all we were on about, wasn't it? I said 313 to 4 or something in significant strikes. Uh, yeah. Just one hell of a beating. That's, as I said, Hamzat levels of beating that was. Yeah. It's like Hamzat on steroids. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my one little shot I'd like to give from the prelims and early prelims is uh, Sam Patterson, who defeated Johan Lanus, the white line. Yeah. Uh, Sam Patterson. I've been watching him get hyped up for a while with uh, John Gooden. Uh, John Gooden's real big on him. He's done a couple of features in his gym with him. And uh, actually, I would like to thank him for picking Sam Patterson for this fight because he warned me to not count out his lanky man jujitsu, which won him the fight. Uh, Patterson, who just moved up to welterweight from lightweight, where at lightweight he looked really chinny. Um, Still kept his chin up high in this fight, which worried me a bit because Laness can crack. But yeah, it was a it was a good showing from Patterson. I'm glad he got the W. Uh, good prospect for uh, the UK. Good prospect. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Patterson looks like a uh, an actual good like you know prospect at this weight class for sure. Looks he looks healthy. He looks healthy considering. But you know. It just is to see what let's see how he does with a couple more fights. I think he can be something for sure. Yeah, room to improve. Gor- yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say Gordon. He he should have won. He was winning and then fell forward and then got submitted. I I, I don't know what to say about that. It's like you had it, you had it, and then you yeah, lost it. Yeah, he, he gave that one away definitely. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, they 
Flake didn't deserve the win, but he got it because, you know, Gordon gave him the opening. And, of course, it, you got to take whatever your opponent gives you, right? Absolutely. No fault on Flake. It was completely Gordon's fault there. He messed up. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, before we before we end the episode, since we've gone through the card now, uh, shout out to Frankie Edgar getting into the goddamn USC Hall of yeah. Fame. <laughs> fucking time. <laughs> Woo, Frankie! Yeah, Frankie! You did it! Uh, River, New Jersey's own Frankie Edgar. Yeah, that's right. Another Jersey, Jersey shot. <laughs> Multiple. Like, I, I, I love Frankie. And Frankie, Frankie's had this coming like for a while now, and I, I, I was so saddened when he lost at New York, and it was his last fight. The way mm. everything went down, I, I hated everything about it. Like yeah. he should have fought Dominic Cruz on his way out. That's that's what it should have been. That's what the fight should have been. He should have had Dominic Cruz for his final fight, and it's against a former champion. And it doesn't matter because he's not going to take that much damage from a guy who barely throws hands. You know, like yeah. he's not. He's not known for his power. He's just known for his conditioning. And it would have been a fun scrap anyways. Two two former champions in New York. That's what the fight should have been. Instead, we got some fucking jabroni who ended up knocking him out. And it was the saddest thing. But I was happy. Kid. Yeah, exactly. In front of his kid. You know, and <laughs> I, I hated that shit. That, this was a proper send-off. I was happy to see him get into, inducted. And just the reaction... Just to the whole thing. It was nice. You know, I appreciated that. Always good to see a legend like Frankie get his flowers. Yeah, exactly. Good on you, Frankie. Yeah. With his very old school record, if I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just fucking 36 matches, 24 wins, 11 losses. That's proper old school. You know, win two out of three fights. Yeah. Yeah, and nothing but hammers, too. Yep. Always bigger than him for his entire career. Yep. That has literally been his story. <laughs> God. Uh, real real quick. Rating rating the card before we get out of here. Uh I had it, I can say I I'll say this. I thought it could have there had to every pay-per-view, every fight card has the potential for a, a 10 out of 10. I think this one had a potential, like, like it had potential to be exciting and fun. And there were some moments in it. I think, for me, I'll say it's a 6.5. Uh, that's what I'll say. It, not bad, but could have been better. The early prelims of the prelims are really, really good. It was just kind of the main card that fell off a little bit, which is the opposite way around it's supposed to be, I guess. So, yeah, I've wouldn't disagree too much there, Austin. Six point five, maybe a seven. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't know. I think I think I'll go. I think I'll go six. Uh, <laughs> I had its moments. Yeah. Well, part of part of my reasoning for for giving it just a six is the Canadian crowd. You guys yeah. suck. You guys were terrible. You fucking <laughs> booed everything. You fucking whined and complained. I've got to give the crowd some credit for shouting "fuck Trudeau" for for uh, one of the. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's all they could shout though. That you don't get brownie <laughs> points for shouting only one thing. I can live with that one. <laughs> my favorite part. My favorite part was they were chanting "fucking Strickland" in the beginning of the main event, and then like midway through the fourth round, they're chanting "DDP." 
<laughs> yeah, fickle traitors. fucking bastards. <laughs> fickle Canadians, yeah. Yeah. Stay Especially consistent. Guys, nice. Yeah, you're supposed to be nice and polite. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> the one-time <sighs> stereotype, stereotype should be true, and it's not. Well, you know, they, they could have spent <laughs> the entire uh, fight shouting out uh, against uh, A.K. Lee, who made himself very popular uh, in the press conference. That's true, yeah. He kind of put himself in that position, so, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I guess that gives us, what does that work at? That gives, that gives us roughly a 6.5 average between the three of us. So I think we've come to 19, 19 and a half. So, yeah. Good enough. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Fair. Fair. There we go then. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we can end on agreeing for once. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right. I guess that's it all from us uh, tonight. Uh, we'll be back at least for the next UFC card. We're not exactly sure. We might do, have a uh, little special to do, uh, depending when we can grab everyone together. So. Do the like and subscribe, you know the drill. And uh, that's good night from all of us. Say good night, guys. Later, guys. Enjoy. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to find some enthusiasm uh, for the card in the end. <laughs> I, it's a Sean Strickland card. You gotta, you gotta have something. Come on. <laughs> it would have been, been much more enthusiastic if Sean had won. <laughs>